Pop Shield, a long-form discussion podcast about musical topics both past and present. I'm Gabe, and I'm joined as always by Dan. Hello. And Derek. Hello. So after our last episode, we made plans to tackle some listener requests. And by the way, you can send us any topic requests you'd like at popshieldpod at gmail.com. There's a little plug for you. But then the music world was shaken to its core by the release of Fiona Apple's fifth LP, Fetch the Bolt Cutters. Or maybe more accurately, by the hype surrounding the release of Fiona Apple's Fetch the Bolt Cutters. Indeed, as I'm sure everyone knows by now, Pitchfork made a huge splash by giving this album their first perfect 10 in a decade, and most publications have followed suit. It's currently the highest rated album of all time on Metacritic. Some, however, like Anthony Fantano of The Needle Drop, were less impressed, and others still are actively pissed about this album's existence, maybe just because of the hype. Maybe because they hate women. Whatever the case, it's a huge shit show, and we just had to join the fray. Now, I think I already know because we talked some Fiona Apple on our previous podcast, but let's quickly go over our previous opinions on Fiona Apple going into this. Yeah, I'm not a huge fan, but my wife is, uh, so I have to listen to her a lot. Um, I, I think she listens to that, uh, I think it's the the Fiddler Wheel. I think it's the one that uh, came out, you know, last before this one. Uh, so I've heard that. Oh, I've, yeah, with like a long title. Yeah, so I've heard a lot of Fiona Apple, but not by choice. <laughs> <laughs> um, so the album we covered was Tidal, which was her mm-hmm. first yep. record. And which we put, I put on first. YouTube, too, for everybody. Yeah. <laughs> Another plug, yes. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I, uh, hadn't really listened to Fiona Apple, like, as far as, like, listening to a full album until that point. Um, and, you know, I stand by the fact that I, you know, I liked that album and I consider her, you know, sort of above the typical pop. We were talking about, like, a lot of 90s pop stars and stuff mm-hmm. and how she sort of existed outside of that. I, I still kind of feel that way going into this record. Yeah, for me, you know, I think she's, I think of her like a big blunder personally, because we did talk about the first album title and I, you know, I I honestly, like, I don't think it was that memorable. Like literally, I don't remember anything about it at all. (laughs) Um, But I definitely remember getting the sense that this was like a songwriter not quite coming into her own. And, you know, the hype for some of her later records, especially her last one, the idler wheel, it's actually called with this like really long extra title. Um, it's like I've always wanted to get to it. I just never have gotten around to it. Um, but I, I just sort of expected it was something I, I would like. So, you know, when this came out, I was definitely eager to give it a fresh start. I just thought it was important that we should, you know, kind of clarify that we're, we're very, very far from Fiona Apple experts. I think we're coming to this like a whole lot of people are mm-hmm. because of Pitchfork score and so and so on. Um, you know, just completely fresh. All right. Um, so I, I do want to talk about Pitchfork's review, of course, the backlash to the review, et cetera, et cetera. But I think it only makes sense to try to give this album its due before getting into all that peripheral hype and reception related stuff. However, I think we have to have kind of a mini conversation about how possible that really is first. Um, if you'll excuse just a short rant, you know, I remember, we all remember, we're old enough, uh, when Kanye's My Beautiful Dark Twisted Fantasy got a perfect 10 from Pitchfork, mm-hmm. right? Um and you know in my memory it went like this he's dropping songs with you know through the good friday thing Mm -hmm. um pretty often for quite a long stretch of time you know and and a lot of the songs from the album are you know we're hearing them kind of evolve and stuff like that the album leaked quite a bit early if i remember correctly and i know not everybody was listening to leak but the point is that there was kind of like this organic thing happening you know where people were like 
so, something really special is mm-hmm. happening, yeah. you know? Yeah. And then P- Pitchfork comes in with the 10 and it just kind of like capped that off. It like kind of confirmed that this was like a, you know, scene shifting like moment um, in the music world. Right. And in this case, you know, Pitchfork, I think quite deliberately, and we'll talk about all this like in a lot more detail later on. You know, they swept in albums don't leak anymore. Right. And there were no singles or anything like that. They swept in literally one hour after the album had been released, after anybody had heard it in the whole world and kind of like put their goddamn stink on it. You know what I mean? Because (laughs) they're trying to like attach it to their brand. So they're like, when, when people talk about Fiona Apple, they'll have to talk about Pitchfork. You know what I mean? It's like a very calculated kind of business decision in some ways. Mm. Um, not that they're not, you know, we'll talk about the artistic side as well, but you know, it's just like pisses me off because I feel like for the rest of eternity, this album will be called, you know, Fiona Apple's Fetch the Bulk Cutters, which got a 10 from Pitchfork. You know what I mean? Like, do you guys agree with me that it's almost impossible to think about this album on its own now? I do a little bit because, you know, like, like you said with Kanye, you know, uh, one, we, you know, we were getting singles, you know, a lot of those weren't like exactly the way they would end up on the album. Some weren't on the album at all, but you know, there was all this like hype. Everybody, you know, was already, you know, uh, Kanye is a much bigger artist, uh, you know, in just the, you know, entire like music business than Fiona Apple is, you know, so, so more people were looking forward to it. It leaked, you know, we all sort of had, uh, I can't remember exactly how long it was, but at least a few days, maybe a week, maybe a couple weeks to like digest it. And then Pitchfork comes, gives it a 10 and everyone's like, oh yeah, exactly. You know, that, that was a good, you know, good call Pitchfork. You know, it it is a 10. Um, But yeah, with this, I mean, I, I think, you know, I knew Fiona Apple was like gonna have a new album. You know, like I said, my my wife likes her, so you know I'm a little bit abreast of the of the the Fiona right. Apple news, but I didn't know when it was coming out. I didn't know if there had been anything. You know, I there there was no hype surrounding it. Uh, you know, at all. It, it just right. sort of like. Um, you know, I mean, it basically to me was a surprise, you know, drop of an album, and and I think it may have even actually was the release date itself ever like announced before. I really like, uh, you know, don't it, it was like. It was like announced with short notice, I think, because she okay. pushed to have it released early. Because um, I know, curve, I know she know. had said in an interview or Twitter or something that like her album was done, and and I remember like seeing a little hype on that, uh, and then you know yeah. the next thing I see is it's out. You know, I never saw a release right, date right. in between there. Um, so yeah, I mean, w- one did did Pitchfork have a uh, you know did they decide well, this yeah, in an hour? <laughs> it's odd that it didn't leak, you know, or anything. Well, they, uh, yeah, I mean, but like. Them. Clearly, some publications had these advanced copies and stuff, and I, you know, I okay, just saw yeah. a lot of music critics on Twitter like buzzing about it and stuff. But it was like, you know, you know what I mean, Darren? Like, they clearly were like, "Let's get in first. Everybody's mm-hmm. going to give us glowing reviews. Let's get in there." So this is Pitchfork's album, you know? Yeah, 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 yeah. I was going to ask to like kind of confirm that, like, surely they had some sort of advanced copy. But yeah, I mean, I, I totally get it. Like, and it's it's disappointing because it, it really changes the way you know you listen to the album the the way you read a pitchfork mm-hmm. review really you know and we'll get into this when we start talking about tens and everything but i mean exactly what you guys were saying like look i was i was not a big kanye fan before my beautiful dark twisted fantasy like i obviously i knew of him and was like okay whatever but you know that hype that whole cycle as it started up yeah 
made me pay attention. Like I started paying attention suddenly. I started looking forward to the Good Friday drops. Mm-hmm. I was watching Kanye interviews because he was, you know, he was coming off the heels of that whole debacle with Taylor Swift, right? Mm-hmm. So to the public eye, he was like considered a, you know, a jerk and asshole. Like you know, they were writing him off. And so the way he sort of like just emerged from all of that and was just releasing music and and just kind of always out there tweeting. I mean, he was just very, very uh, in the moment. You know what I mean? Like a finger on the pulse of whatever was going on. And it made me, who was really like a non-fan, pay attention. And that just kind of built up and built up until the release. So. Yeah. And I, I think it was like a little bit of like a, you know, the, the indie crowd, so to speak, was not like that attuned to hip hop at that time. Yeah, they weren't like exactly. Going sure. to take an album like this so seriously. And what happened was like all of this hype, all this craziness, this buildup, which included tracks and like actually hearing the album, mm-hmm. um, like all these people just started getting sucked into the Kanye orbit. And then it was like Pitchfork's 10 was like a wake up call. Like, hey, if you're not here yet, you better get here, you know, because yeah. it's, it's happening. Um this album just does not exist independently from Pitchworks 10 because right. it never had a chance to. And, and it just annoys me, you know, because like, you know, I listen to album. It's just so unnatural. You know, I'm listening to an album. I'm like, oh, I like that part. But do I like it as a 10? Mm-hmm. Part? Exactly. You know, like, is that worth it? Exactly. You know I mean? And it's it, it annoys me so much. I have to constantly do. That. I know like sometimes you listen to like an old classic album and you have that same kind of hype surrounding it. But it, it just feels like less pressure for some reason because it's old and you know, I don't know. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, anyway. I mean, when, when, when it's existed for a long time, it, it's sort of your fault for, for just now getting to, you know, it's like, yeah, it, yeah. It's you know. either you fall in love with it or you settle on like, well, I get why everyone likes it, but it's just not for me. Like, that's kind of, yeah, you, exactly. And you're like, okay. Mm-hmm. You don't feel with, the pressure. Exactly. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Okay. So that being said, you know, having admitted, and I'm sure we'll like kind of break this rule uh, a lot, um, but having admitted that it's hard, if not impossible to kind of talk about the album on its own. I want to try really hard to do that, you know, just like properly review mm-hmm. the album. Um, so let's dive in to Fiona Apple's Fetch the Bolt Cutters. Uh, Dan, could you try describing the overall sound of this thing to start with? Yeah, well, like the Pitchfork review said, <laughs> no, nah, I'm just kidding. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, it, it, it sounds, I've been trying to think of like a way to like describe the, it, it, it sort of sounds like a, um, like a home done thing, but, but not in like, mm an amateur or or even like lo-fi kind of you know like when you when you think of something like the the microphones or something you know that that whole like lo-fi bedroom thing it doesn't sound like that like it doesn't sound bad you know like like low quality It, it just sounds like um being in someone's home um and i think and i actually did read this in the pitchfork review but you know like she she used like you know, hitting the walls in her house and stuff like right. as as sounds in it. You know, I mean, her her dogs are you can hear a bunch, um, and, and things like that. This is just the uh, it, it's mostly in the percussion. There's just like this odd, um, like sort of mishmash of like around the home kind of sounds. But saying that like sounds worse than it is. It, it, it's like much more cohesive. It, it doesn't sound like somebody hitting pots and pans, you know, something like that. It just sounds <laughs> yeah. like, like sort of like using what, what's in your environment to, to, to get uh, y- your point across. Uh, of course, like in addition, like it, it's very like piano heavy, but I think even like the way the like piano is, is mic'd and stuff, it, it like, it sounds like a piano in someone's home, you know, it doesn't sound yeah. like, and, and it's got like a percussive quality. Yeah. Like, yeah. To, like this kind of ramshackle clattering 
percussion that we hear on a lot of tracks i think yeah exactly it, it does have this like sort of clattering like um sort of odd uh rhythms uh at, at times it's got uh, like a a really and i'm not the you know biggest biggest fan or or, or knowledge uh, knowledgeable of but like sort of a tom waits like what little i know of him right. this has like a sort of a tom waits uh kind of feel to it at times like especially in in that um sort of rhythm and uh instrumentation a little bit um yeah, I, what would you add? Yeah, I mean, I, I pretty much agree with what you're saying. You know, there's like kind of like the, a looseness, just like a loose feel to yeah. a lot of the tracks. And I think that just kind of comes from what seems to be a very organic sounding percussion section. You know, like it, nothing yeah. from the percussion end really sounds like a machine or anything that's like playing so perfectly. You know what I mean? It it, it all mm-hmm. sounds very organic. Um you know, I, I think there's a there feels like there's a lot of room on a lot of the tracks. Like it doesn't yeah, feel yeah, overwhelming, minimal. yeah, with like tons and tons of instruments and layers or anything like that. Um it seems pretty like straightforward, like just a couple of instruments in her voice, you know what I mean? Each track kind of maybe having a certain feature about it, um, whether it's you know, her voice or her lyrics, or maybe it's a synth line, or it's a piano, or it's, you know, really just largely percussion you know what i mean yeah you're right it, it's it's like it's it's very very minimal very very sparse um you know to your point dan it, it's recorded in a way that i think emphasizes like the sound of the room that mm-hmm. it's in you know mm-hmm. um you hear like you, you just hear like this loose like ramshackle quality i think that's like I, I think of tom waits like over and over again especially like his bone machine album where you know it's got this junkyard feel um a lot of clattering percussion and yet it it is it it remains pretty empty and you're right that each song kind of highlights just one thing i think there's kind of like a core instrumental component here which is like typically some piano like some tracks have like none at all but um some it's it's really prominent but i think always played in like almost like a percussive kind of way um you know pretty like ramshackle drums always like a stand-up bass sometimes there's a little bit of bowing of the stand-up bass but it gives it like this you know it's weird because it, you think of it as like clattering and ramshackle and yet because of that like in a room quality it sounds like pretty hushed and like quiet you know what i mean it feels like very intimate you know yeah i mean it, it definitely has like that intimate uh quality about it yeah and you know as far as like music i think that you know i don't know to me i kept thinking like it's got like a jazz pop basically vibe at its core um you know i think of stuff like you know nora jones do you remember her yeah <laughs> vaguely yeah kind of like coffee shop music but it's like elevated like really high to a slightly like we're in like the you know kind of artsy outsider territory of tom waits or something but like if it was somebody that you know grew up writing songs like nora jones or something and then somehow ended up in a junkyard i feel like um <laughs> So, you know, there, there, there's that kind of weird quality, you know, other stuff that kind of jumped out at me was like the, you know, vocals are, they're pretty like virtuo virtuosic. I don't even know what the right word is for adjective for that, but, um, you know, quite spectacular the way she's like kind of going all over the place. I thought of like Tim Buckley sometimes, but at the same time, like sometimes she gets so raw and abrasive with like the screaming. I mean, you think of like John Lennon, you know, like on mother or something like that. Um, there were, I don't know, any other like kind of influences and stuff jump out of you because I, you know, I, 
let me break the rule real quick. Well, you know, Pitchfork <laughs> in their review, like the, the the tagline is like, no music has ever sounded quite like it. I mean, I found myself like instantly re- reminded of like, you know, interesting and cool influences. Yeah, Did I you don't feel the same way. I, I don't. I, I don't agree with Pitchfork in that. I, I don't think nothing's ever sounded like. You know, this isn't like a wholly new experience. I think it's a a, a great like. Um, you know, new packaging of influences, which, you know, maybe that I don't want people to like hear me wrong and that that's what most music is. And plenty of, you know, great music is like, you know, the Beatles are, are, are that, you know, um, I, I, cause you're, you're right. I hear, I hear some John Lennon in there, especially like mother. Um, there's even like, and I think Fantano mentioned this, but you know, you, you can, you can, you can sense a little Nick cave, uh, here and there, yeah, you know, a yeah. sprinkling. I mean, I, I, I don't think we're the first ones to bring up Tom Waits, um, you know, I, I definitely can see some some influences in this, and that's that's in no way like a a bad right, thing. Right. Very very few things sound like <laughs> nothing else, you know. <laughs> Especially I, you know this far along. I just wonder, like Darren, did you have you know? I saw a lot of people on Rate Your Music and stuff talking like they're having this experience of like this sounds so new, you know, like right off the bat. Did you have that kind of like striking feeling? No. Um... You know, I have to break the rule because <laughs> we've all done it. When you when you see a line <laughs> like that, right? Like no music has ever sounded like this. I that is just crippling, right, for me as a listener because it's almost like I'm searching. I'm like as soon as I'm listening, I'm like, wait, this sounds like this and this and like it's like daring yeah, what you are we, to. What are we talking about <laughs> here? Like, had I not read that, you know, maybe the experience would have been slightly different. But you know. For all of the influences, it doesn't, there's not like a, this is not like a copy paste. And just like you said, Dan, like this is, it's a good thing to have influences and be able to like pull from multiple different areas and then kind of create something out of all of that. You know, not just, this is just a Tom Wakes, Waits uh, ripoff. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, right, right, right. So to that point, like, yes, like there, this, this album, you know, sounds it's it would be hard for me to say oh there's another album exactly like this you know what i mean sure there's influences but like no i mean i I would i would argue that like she does achieve some level of you know pulling all this together to create like her own unique sort of spin on it all you know yeah i think i think unique is is a good descriptor you know like unique doesn't mean without precedent it just you know right, i mean right. it, it's just different and i i think it's definitely that you know it, it, it's a great like packaging of influences in a way that maybe you've never heard before yeah yeah i think that's fair another you know influence that really struck me was i don't know how familiar you guys are with like regina specter but do you remember like that kind of there was like this early 2000s wave of like these kind of indie piano pop Mm-hmm. girls that would do this kind of like cabaret like highly theatrical kind of like sing talking you know what i mean oh yeah and that was a weird thing to hear because you know that feels like a very kind of outdated sound and so that's the kind of thing where you start thinking like wow this is this is taking like something that i had like a sound that i thought was like dead you know just had nothing interesting left to say and actually honestly ne- i never really liked it before and incorporating it, you know, mixing it with Tom Waits, mixing it with, you know, this and that, like, you know, it, that's just to emphasize this interesting mixture of, of, um, influences. But I do want to kind of ask on that note, I feel like the record has like, 
it's got a kind of odd sequencing. I think it's something I'll want to return to, but doesn't it feel like we kind of start off like a couple songs very firmly in like a throwback to the indie like chamber pop like Regina Spector or something before moving into this kind of angry blues section before going like jazz pop and then uh you know maybe slightly weirder like chantier songs at the end but like doesn't it feel like <laughs> like the the styles that are on this album are all grouped right together in that in a way yeah i i, I was thinking that like exact same thing like it, especially like the first three songs like really sort of yeah like honestly like the, the first listen of, of the record and stuff you know those first three songs it really sort of like built a world and i really was liking it a lot you know i i, I was uh you know uh surprised by by how much i liked it um and then you know that it sort of changes under the table sort of like a it could kind of go with that first one kind of go with that second but it, you know it starts to shift and i i think this this, this middle section is not as like interesting or as like new of a thing i mean there's definitely interesting like things about it but uh, you know it's it, it just didn't catch me as much as that first section and then the 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 last bit you you sort of kind of return uh, i think a little bit to that world of the original but like you said it's it's got that sort of chanty thing on it and i i think it's i think it ends strong but the 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 sequence i i think if you if you broke it up you, you moved some of those other songs around you know hit them in it you you yeah. know you, you could sort of hide them in the uh you know concept for lack of a better word and uh disguise it a little better yeah what do you think about that yeah like i don't know um <clears throat> so like i i feel like i listened to this album so much like i just this is just yeah. a rare time where i just had a lot of opportunity to listen and i just kept on listening and I, I tried all sorts of things. Like I listened to the album, obviously start to finish several times. I shuffled it. I like jumped into the middle and listened to the rest of it. Just trying, you know, just trying to feel the record out and what does it feel like in right. different places. You know, sometimes we talk about, oh, you can't just jump into the middle of a record or, you know, whatever. Like you've got to listen to it from start to finish. I, you know, I, I sort of feel like what you guys are saying. Y- you know, I think the sequencing is a little bit strange and it actually it does allow you like I could just jump in anywhere and like, you know, kind of know where I was at in the album and not mm-hmm. feel like I'm missing something, if that makes any sense. Hmm. Um, and that's, you know, that's not taking anything away from the album as a whole. I just think that like the individual songs sort of it just it just kind of seems like these are just individual songs in a lot of ways. And like some of them do sort of like thematically obviously go together but i never felt like i was like i'll you know for instance i'll sometimes just jump in right at like cosmonauts and just listen to the last four tracks as a section you know what i mean i feel like under the table through uh newspaper is sort of like a section as well and then the first three you know what i mean like Mm -hmm. that's how i kind of broke it up in my mind yeah yeah i mean for me i i would often you know because i agree with you dan i hate to kind of like jump into you know criticisms already but i think like we're kind of continuing to describe the sound in this because we get this little stretch in the middle that i think is like the lowest point of the album from relay rack of his and newspaper Mm -hmm. um which is like basically a you know, there's a lot of blues influence we didn't mention on a lot of the tracks here. And it's like particularly in the angriest songs. And this is like three songs in a row that lack almost all melody, like very little piano on these three. Um, a lot of just like thudding drums, like in a, on a kind of like a almost predictable blues beat and her just like screaming her head off 
you know, like in a almost traditional blues song, um, they all feel like very long because they don't do that much, you know, other than just like kind of go from like this verse to this chorus to this verse to this chorus, like back and forth. Um, you know, on like rack of his, for example, I think it's just like the, it's like the last verse and chorus. She's just kind of like mumble singing. Like there's like, I don't know if she just couldn't think of anything new to do and was like, well, I don't want to sing it again. So I'll just kind of like do some little, you know, mumbling to myself over the end of it. Um, you know, so it's like this just kind of like lumbering like section. Um, and so I kept like finding myself just sort of jumping in at ladies because I think ladies is all of a sudden like this very refreshing, like bright spot after that, that passage Mm -hmm. of, um, these heavy lumbering songs. It's so like, it's just like a sweet, like catchy as hell jazz pop kind of song with this interesting instrumentation, heavy balloon. As soon as it starts, you can tell it's like a single type of a song. And that chorus is just mammoth, but we're still in that jazz pop world. You know, you got those little like guitar licks, you know, like added on for the first time, um, which are really quite catchy. Cosmonauts is very, very catchy. Um, you know, but it's weird, right? Because those are like, it's like as if the three singles, you know, the things that you could call, you know, probable singles, why would you put them like back to back to back? And why would you put them back to back to back after back to back to back angry blues songs? Isn't that weird? Yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean, I think the, the, honestly, my biggest problem with the record is the, um, is the, 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 um, sequencing of it couldn't think of the word um you know because because you're right like it just seems like really like you know you and i and i can see when you're writing a record you know saying you know these are my angry blues songs these are my you know whatever uh chanty ones these are my you know whatever but then like you, you should you should mix them up you know don't 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 mm-hmm. give us the section the section the section you know especially i mean for for a 2020 record this this album's right under an hour long which is pretty long you know nowadays that mm-hmm. that's a that's a fairly long record for for you know not a a, a rap thing that's three discs or whatever you know drake right, right, kind right. of thing but you know like i feel like when, when you're gonna go long when you're gonna go 50 minutes 52 minutes or whatever it is you gotta you gotta really work on that sequencing you gotta keep people uh you know attention and, and it's hard to do when you when you're giving them three or four or whatever of the same you know type of song back to back in in you know four different sections you know if the whole record was all angry blue so you know whatever that's fine but if you're gonna give uh you know variety it's just weird to not mix that variety up you know yeah i just found myself like feeling like the middle was a little bit of a drag and i wondered maybe you can speak to it darren since you experimented with shuffle a little bit but like i wonder if they would be great you know as great as the others on their own um because they aren't like right next to each other yeah i mean to be honest the first time i shuffled was actually a total accident um i had just had it on shuffle you know spotify was just on shuffle from something else i was listening to i came to it and then after i had finished the record i looked down and i was like oh my god i just listened to the entire thing on shuffle and didn't realize it you know because sometimes when you listen to a record like it's very clear oh my god what what's going on like this doesn't sound right, right. right um and it's not just because a song might flow into another song sometimes it's just the feel you know, it mm-hmm. just, if it ramps up too quickly, right. you're like, what, what just happened? But, you know, I, I think a little bit of shuffling here would actually truly help the flow of the record. You know, I, I feel like you wouldn't get so hammered in the midsection with like rack of his newspaper, um, 
you know, if you sort of broke that up a little bit. Because, I mean, I think thematically, all of the songs are kind of in the same, around the same theme. You know what I mean? I I don't think that if you were to, you know, move a song like Newspaper lower on the track list, like make it later in the album or something, I don't think that you're taking anything away from what your, whatever story she's trying to get across, you know? I don't know that it has like a huge narrative arc necessarily. They seem like little short stories more in a way. Um, But I wonder, you know, one complaint I've seen is that, you know, the instrumentation is too samey throughout, you know, do you guys, and and we talked about it, it's like a pretty set palette for every song, very, very sparse. Do you guys feel that way? Or do you feel like there's a lot of variation within that limited palette here? Uh, I don't know. I mean, I, I think it it is a limited palette, and I think you know everything does sort of have like a a, a samey sound. But I don't really like. I, I don't think it's like such a negative. You know, I think it's just sort of like the palette of the album. You know, uh, I, I think it sort of gives it a cohesiveness. Um, I think if the sequencing was better, it would be less like um, it would be less of a negative. But I, I don't really see a problem with it. It, it didn't get like. I, I wasn't, you know, in the length of the record, I wasn't like, oh, you know, an, an, another song that sounds like, you know, I, I never got like that sort of feeling listening to it. Yeah. What about you, Darren? I, no, I mean, I, I never really felt like that. Um, I, I think to your point that you just made before, Gabe, that it's sort of just, you know, adding variety to these sparse instruments. You know what I mean? Like, yes, I do agree that this, you know, the number of instruments or what's there is pretty much the same throughout. Yes, it's sparse throughout but I think there's enough variety that I never really felt like, um, you know, by the time you get to drum set where it's it's very focused on the percussion. Well, we've been listening to percussion and different things yeah. the whole time. But you know what? That song sounded really refreshing. You know, as, as a song as a whole, we can talk about that because maybe I, you know, I'm not such a fan of how it ends necessarily. But like there are just the instrumentation of it. Like I was I was into it. You know, it was an earworm for me. And for that to be the song before the last one, you know, kind of says something about whether or not yeah. I felt that it was really samey. What, what did you think? Yeah, no, I mean, I thought it was like a, it was an inspired uh, decision, I think, to keep things so minimal. Yeah. And what I really like about it is like these very, very light touches that differentiate not just songs from each other, but differentiate like, you know, different verses and choruses from each other. Um you know, there's a lot of, I think, excellent, excellent use of like backing vocals and harmonies in this album, but they've got like a very rough, you know, like nature, like not always perfectly on key, not always perfectly in sync with each other. There's an emphasis of that, like separation between them, you know, like normally you would like make, you know, backing harmonies and stuff and you would like layer them like just, just right, you know, so that it sounds like this like mm-hmm. just nice glistening wall of sound but they're really like maintain the separation between them and it gives it like this loose ramshackle quality that really contributes to the thing but like you know sometimes they're kind of they almost sound like improvised slightly you know like the backing vocal is kind of just playing around repeating things or like riffing on different melodies sometimes like you know the backing melody is like you know a step ahead of the main melody you know what i mean um and those like little touches, I think, really add a lot to that. You know, on that note, I think we got to talk a little bit more about the production here. You mentioned it, Dan, but like this kind of like whatever's around the house, you know, bang on stuff and, you know, play with, um, you know, like 
just stuff like distance from the mic, you know, sometimes the vocals, like they were clearly recorded, you know, at the other end of a hallway Mm -hmm. or something like that. Or like, I like how the, how it sounds when I sing in the bathroom. So let's record this take here. You know, like there's a lot of that play here, which, so on one hand, I think it's really interesting because this was like the indie spirit. You know what I mean? Like, this is why indie music was so fucking good. Okay. Just to be frank about it is that it had like this kind of, you know, it was like the indie ethos was like resourcefulness. You know what I mean? Like we talked about it with elephant six and stuff. Like I want some, I want some sound here. I have a buddy who plays horn. I'll call it. You know what I mean? It Mm -hmm. wasn't like, it's not like, let me, you know, talk to the studio head and find just the right session musician. So it was like, well, he's not that great at the horn, but you know, he's been playing it a lot after he bought it at the thrift shop. So let's do it. (laughs) You know, like there's like a little bit of like, I really want something here. You know, what's lying around in my kitchen that I could like make something, you know, try it. You know what I mean? Um, let's, yeah, you know, let's play with that like distance. I'm going to sing from the other side of the house and let's see what it sounds like. You know what I mean? Like that's been missing from the entire 2010s pretty much because it's been like a purely electronic decade. You know what I mean? And I thought it was like, you know, again, Pitchfork wants to say it's like completely unique. I think we, it's not so unique because there was an entire decade of doing it, but, um, like in the two thousands. Um, but that, you know, that's my first point. I think it's like absolutely refreshing to hear that kind of play with recording again. Do you agree with that? Yeah, that's, that's a hundred percent my favorite thing about this record. I mean, I, I, I love audio stuff, you know, and and so I, I I like I like hearing you know the way things are mic'd. I I personally like playing yeah. with it myself, you know. Like I, I mean, I, I think I said it uh, when I was describing the sound a little bit, but like uh, oftentimes just the way the the piano is mic'd, you could tell it's just not like the way you would do it, you know, if you were recording you know some classical music you know it's not like the it's not like the quote unquote correct way to mic a piano right. or something, but I mean it's a it's an interesting way to do it and, and i mean to use you know the to smack the wall of your house if it makes a cool sound you know that that's rad you know i i i really enjoy things about that i i like the playing with the distance of the mic um you know you, you can tell stuff like that happens a lot you know just going in a different room in your house i mean i i think like you know it depends on what you're doing but i i think like oftentimes you know a, a house can can be I, I, one of the one of the best things is like the indie you know movement and and technology going where people like could afford to record at home and everything because right. you get that's you, like where it all comes from exactly you, know, you, you get like, the you get the the chance to play with that when when you had to record you know with a giant you know reel to reel machine and a and a huge you yeah, know yeah. eight track board you know that took up the size of your your dining room table you, you couldn't do it in your house you couldn't play with rooms you know you had a studio and that's all you had you couldn't play with it but now that you can. I think, you know, of course, you know, like you said, like this has been sort of an electronic kind of decade and it's hard to do it with, with some of that kind of stuff. But when, when you're going to go back to, to, you know, real, you know, quote unquote, you know, like acoustic instruments, I guess is a better word, like play with that stuff. You know, don't, don't, I'm sure Fiona Apple, she had some hits. She can, she can afford to go to the studio, but it's, right, but it's right. like, I think that the, the going to the studio would only make this record boring. It would. Absolutely. I mean, what do you think, Darren? Do you, th- do you th- think it's like an integral part and that do you agree with me that it's like 
been sorely missed in popular music oh yeah i mean totally i mean <clears throat> think about all the conversations we constantly have and we're like <clears throat> man this record would sound great if it wasn't like mm-hmm. so overproduced yeah, so and all of these things you know what i mean so yeah that's one of the things that makes this record i feel like really special right it just it just kind of has that spirit of just you know I, I think of like an artist like a painter who is just in the midst of their you know, all of their paints everywhere. They're, you know, completely covered in all sorts of, you know, just dirty getting into it and, and just, you know, trying different things and, and enjoying that rather than like being so, you know, in like a stuffy studio Mm -hmm. room where everything is just so perfect and you're just getting these takes perfectly and maybe even manipulating the take so that it sounds even more perfect than what was actually recorded. Like that's not, what's happening here at all you know i i really feel like you can you know i love listening to a record and like just imagining the process of like recording and and making these decisions like there's this really great drum fill on under the table and it just sounds so good like so satisfying the way the drums are like mic'd up and everything and you know it's just little things like that little little touches like that i mean when you listen on headphones you can hear like Obviously, there's like dogs barking, but then there's even, <laughs> I think, a siren or something that has like yeah, had yeah. me turning mm-hmm. my head several times. You know, it's just <laughs> cool, like having, you know, field recordings, just different well, things. Well, like, like accidents, yeah, right? Yeah, Happy yeah, yeah, accidents yeah. is like what's been missing, I think. Because, you know, like, I don't know, think about like Beyonce's Lemonade, which is how it made me think of a little bit. Because, you know, there was that like angry blues, like female rage thing mm-hmm. going on sometimes there. But like Beyonce would never play with like distance of a mic from thing you know she's not like sitting there like let's try singing this like from this room let's go like out in the yard and see what that sounds like you know like and i don't know i'm not trying to say that like i don't know purely electronic music is somehow inferior to acoustic music or whatever but like there's I, i just think like that's a whole dimension that you are like missing if you're not playing with the recording process itself, you know, and it's just been like a lot of it's just been a whole decade. It feels like of people sitting at their computers, like, you know, may, like adding reverb, you know, in, in fruity loops or whatever. And it's like, why don't you try making like a real reverb? Because crazy accidents happen. It sounds a little different than you expected. It was gonna, but it's really cool to you. You know what I mean? Like, no, I, I think I just think that's great. Yeah. Which, what you're saying, you know, like, like I, like I said, like the, the technology, like the, the, like the Tascam four track, like that's what opened up like the indie world right. to be able to, to do this. And then the computer like opened it up even more, but now we've sort of gone like too far where the computer can be too right. helpful. Um, where like, cause yeah. And I, and I always have to fight myself doing this, like recording music is like, you know, I have some reverb pedals, you know, I've, I can, you, you know, I've, we've done it like recorded in my, you know, bathroom or in my carport or garage, you know, and stuff Uh, like, but it's like, sometimes, you know, the laziness, it's like, I could just, uh, download any of a a 1 million free, you know, reverb sounds (laughs) on the computer. And then you spend, you know, two hours finding the right one, getting it exactly how you want it. But like, that's not really like, it just sounds so much more it just sounds so much better like when it's an organic thing that like because you're never gonna like accidentally stumble on the sound of your bathroom you're never gonna accidentally stumble on your garage you know like you're never gonna do that you know that that doesn't exist like in the technological world and and like you i'm not i mean I, i i love electronic music uh yeah but i think like 
there's a time and a place for it. You know, like something like this, yeah. this record, if it was cleaned up and polished, it would be music for Starbucks and it would be yeah, awful. Yeah, it would just be, it would just be Nora Jones. No, exactly. Um, I- exactly. But, but let me just, you know, emphasize right that I think it, it sounds refreshing now to hear this again. Like I, I was into mm-hmm. a lot of that, you know, shift from the 2010s, but like that was, that was striking and cool. The other thing I wanted to mention though, like that makes the production and the, you know, home recording style pretty spooky or weird kind of is the how well suited it is to the coronavirus era you know she recorded Mm -hmm. it before that obviously but like isn't it weird to hear like basically the most hyped album of the year comes out in the middle of this pandemic and the whole theme is like recording with stuff that is around the house like what the hell especially like because all like so many like television shows are doing like i'm a a big conan o'brien fan and like he he's doing his show from home you know like on on zoom and stuff and like you know doing little skits with just stuff animals and crap he has at his house right and stuff and yeah like this like um this this record like sounds like that but i mean you know yeah she didn't record this in in two weeks or a month or whatever you know it's it's just like this and animal crossing were the most (laughs) well-timed things it's really in in the history of the world maybe there's a conspiracy yeah <laughs> yeah does that add some extra oomph to the uh experience for you darren the timeliness uh i mean not really i i think it's just kind of interesting you know lyrics like fetch the bolt cutters i've been in here too long you know what I mean? yeah like just that idea yeah, of being in quarantine uh, you know it's a happy coincidence i guess but I, I don't think it really changed my my listening maybe it's because i don't really I just feel think- like i'm in quarantine <laughs> yeah i mean it just might be like inspiring i think to people um which we'll talk about the legacy, the possible legacy of this album later, but just like to hear like, oh, here's how you make a cool album at home, you know? And it is different, like you said, Dan, from the lo-fi era, which was like, you know, it was kind of like an enforced um, lower lowering of quality and playing with the low quality and the limitations and stuff. Now it's like these artists have everything. You can like make it sound just as good at your home, mm-hmm. but your home frees you up to like play with weird things and so it's not like lo-fi. It's just like, um, got I jotted something down. Uh, it was, it's like bedroom pop, but like really high production values. No, exactly. Yeah, I that's what that, I was thinking. Weird. But I think it's it's like this. Uh, this record is like a, a a perfect like being able to use the computer, good microphones, not having to record yeah. on a cassette uh, cassette tape, and then you know like only having four tracks, having to bounce it, and you know because every time you bounce it, it's lowering the quality and stuff like all the yeah. you know Elephant Six and and what it had to do. You know you, you're getting to play with. I mean, right now the program I'm using to record this podcast. I don't even know how many tracks I can make it. I think I can make infinite. You know, until I run out of memory, yeah, you right, know, right, it, I, right. I can make that many tracks. You know, it, but so like lo-fi is never coming back, but. It, it you could bring back like the creativity of the yeah and i think era, that this think is like a really perfect cool. you know it, because like i think some people like you know really do get sort of like um turned off by the low fineness you know sometimes like things like yeah. like I, I love daniel johnston but some of like his his tapes like you literally have to listen like through static or you know like like <laughs> right. it's a cassette tape that's like literally been fucked up and like you're hearing it like recorded from that and like you know that's difficult for for 
people who, who who just are you know more casual of a listener or or just don't have the interest to like dig into it you know and so i think like something like this i, I mean and maybe coronavirus as a whole like maybe a good thing from it will be like we get this sort of like um yeah you know play play with 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 good quality you know i i mean i, w- yeah, I would love yeah. a, a daniel johnston record that was in great quality you know <laughs> right, i don't love right. it because of the, the next static. daniel johnson well he's dead now I'm ouch sure. But I mean, the next. Oh, I get you. you know, not yeah. him, but whoever the next guy is. Yeah, he's gonna. It's gonna sound like really, really good. But it might still exactly, be like really and that would be great. Okay, you know? but let's move on to the lyrics now. When it comes to Fiona Apple, you know, a lot of people really obsessive over the lyrics. You know, my personal feeling about lyrics, we've talked about it before, is that they're just like not even like the top five most important things for me. They can like fuck up a song, but like. It's best when they kind of compliment the song. And I just mm-hmm. personally feel like, you know, when, like I look for, I don't know, creative uses of lyrics or just like interesting turns of phrases that are like striking or memorable, you know? So to me, it's like her kind of sighing, like ladies, 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 ladies is like just as in, you know, incredible, if not more so than some like profound observation about life. Yeah. Or something like, that. like I, I just don't give a shit. You know, it's more like, using using the lyrics to kind of like bring aspects out of the song you know on that note i think there are a lot of like really cool moments like that you know like the line from heavy balloon like you know i spread like strawberries i, I was just like gonna say that one it's just so striking it like immediately you know it just immediately jumps out of you the way she's like screaming it over this like absolutely incredibly catchy song i mean it's like really really striking i do want to mention though that there are other there are other moments I just think are like not as successful. And so I I like overall, I think this would even out to be like, the lyrics are fine to to me. I feel like that's heresy, but you know, stuff like kick me under the table. You want, I won't shut up very catchy song, but that's like, that's going on a t-shirt at target, you know, like when, when target like is packaging and selling feminism, you know, like that's the kind of thing they'll write there, you know, like there are other things like that, that are just like, okay, whatever. But what do you guys think of the lyrics here? I mean, like you said, I, I, I'm not a big lyrics fan, you know, I, I mean, I, I, I like the occasional, you know, like funny line in a rap song, you know, I, I think that's the best, uh, you know, a lyric usually gets, you know, outside of like Bob Dylan or something. It, 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 more often, a lyric can ruin a song than, than help it to to me um but yeah. yeah i think she's got some 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 clever stuff some some catchy things that are, that are nice i i really like i said i i, I like that st- spread like strawberries climb like peas because it's just like you've never heard that phrase before but it's just like sort of you just sort of instantly like know what she means and it's like yeah it's kind of a cool like um picture and like you know it, it's just like that's a real you know like creative uh like interesting way to say something that like has been said before um which i think you know is is the best you can get in lyrics but then yeah i mean that like kick me on their table that that gets really annoying to me and uh and like you said yeah i mean it's just sort of like mildly corny um yeah i think fetch the bolt cutters i've been in here too long like i don't know it's like yeah she, she writes about it like it's about breaking out of a prison and it's like, well, yeah, no shit. Yeah. Yeah. Well, oh, I didn't get that one. <laughs> You've been in there too long. I didn't get it. Um, and then the, the stuff in like, I want you to, uh, to love me. Like the, the sort of like 
you know, all my particle, you know, it's just like, you're getting a little, you're getting a little yeah. hippie on me and I, I could do without like, it, I think but it's okay. You know, like, I, I, it, it wasn't like I, I cringed or anything, but if I'm, but that's know, if I'm being like brilliant, the, that's another good example of what I was talking about is like just the way that she holds you for so much longer than you're expecting her to. And the piano starts like darting in odd directions mm-hmm. that are like also unexpected, you know, strange chords underneath this like elongated you. Like I want you to love me. Fine word. Fine phrase, whatever. But the way that she delivers it by dragging that yeah, out exactly. so insanely long is brilliant. Um, what do you make of the lyrics, Darren? Um, I mean, largely, I'm I'm pretty much okay with them. You know, I, I think I we've all been pretty honest about how lyrics have just never been the most important to any of us, and I'm kind of the same way. Yeah. Um, but it, you know, in particular here, I I, I think that there was obviously plenty of opportunity for her to get very. Uh, I don't want to say cheesy, but just, you know, to, to try to make them so raw and so scathing that like, it would be difficult to like, want to listen to, you know what I mean? Like it would be distracting, I guess. And I don't think she did that very much, you know, um, probably lyrically, I, I, I liked drum set a lot, largely because she does kind of attack on this, on this song, but without being so direct, I guess. So she, she says a line like, um... Uh, you know, what does it say? Um, I understand you're a human. You've got to lie. You're a man. Pretty, you know, pretty like direct punch, right? But then she goes on to say, like, you wanted to get what you wanted, but so did I. I want what I want. Why didn't you want to try? So it's yeah. just, you know, just kind of like leaving it at that and just saying, like, why didn't you want to try? Why, why didn't you want to try? Like, kind of repeating over and over again about a relationship. And it, it you know, I listen to it and I can like hear it both ways it's not just female to male like i could hear it from male to female you know i, I just didn't feel like i was getting too mm-hmm. caught up in like fiona apple's like direct like scathing you know thoughts on men you know what i mean um right right and i just appreciated that like i i didn't get distracted by that i guess is all i'm trying to say and i think that's a good thing you know yeah i feel like overall there the lyrics are also pretty playful like I guess they get pretty like biting at times, but she can also be pretty self-deprecating, like make jokes at her own expense. I think, you know, like it's, they're not like, I don't know. They're not what I as an outsider was expecting. And I think they are, they are, they service the music well, which is just like the, the, I think absolute best thing that lyrics can do. Correct. Um, so we've been kind of like dancing around it. Um, and mentioning things, but I want to kind of like dig into a couple of highlights, maybe a couple of lowlights. Um, are there any songs, whether we mentioned them or not already, that Dan, you particularly liked? Yeah, I, I liked Heavy Balloon uh, a lot. Um, I liked the Shamika one. Um, you know, that one was kind of yeah. fun. Uh, as, as, I think I, I basically I liked every song. Uh, the, the ones that I I, I liked less uh cosmonauts got a little like annoying i i, I it was sort of cosmonauts, cheesy I feel, I feel like it's like the you know her screaming at the end about like start it off start it up you know like that's the reason to stick around like the rest of the yeah song yeah fun, exactly the, like, the rest of the song wanna, it's sort of like there. The, the rest of the song it's like we're almost at this could be played at starbucks you know it's like it, it's yeah, that that's yeah, the most the song that i think is skirting on that that ledge uh the most so i i think that would be my least favorite also like i said the under the table that that song it just 
the uh, kick me under the table thing, it just kept getting stuck in my head and annoying the shit out of me. <laughs> um, so maybe that's not her yeah, fault. Nursery uh, rhyme esque. Yeah, it just like it, it had sort of like an irritating quality, and maybe that was her intention. But um, I felt that way about like the you know evil is a relay sport. Oh you know, yeah, like, yeah, that's got stuck in my head a couple times too. But like in an annoying way, kind of. What about you, Darren? What were some highlights or lowlights for you? Yeah, I mean, I've already mentioned, you know, drum set was pretty, pretty much a highlight for me. I, I love that song. Yeah, yeah, that is incredibly great. like catchy, just stuck in my head. Both of the songs that you guys just mentioned about like getting stuck in my head, just kind of constantly, and I kind of had the same thing where like there were moments where I was just like very annoyed that it was like stuck in my head, just different parts of yeah, the album, you know yeah, what I mean? Yeah. Um, uh, you know, I, I, I like under the table. I just think it's really catchy. You know, I totally get that. It's it like kind of annoying, is, yeah. but I, I think it's, it's very catchy. I think the opening song is really like a really good opener. Um, yeah, I like that one a lot. As far as like low lights, I, I didn't really care for the last song very much. Really? Um, yeah, I just kind of, I don't know. I just didn't feel like it, you know, I, I feel like the album just needed something a bit more. I don't know. I, I just didn't think this was a great closer. I guess not that I like hated the song. I just didn't think of it as a as a closing of the album. For me, it's like for some reason, and I think I'm maybe like kind of um, in the minority here based on like Rate Your Music's track scores and stuff. But like the last three songs, I think are like three knockouts right after the the other. It's like the first time in the album. One thing I didn't mention is that a lot of these songs are very, very long. They feel very long because like I said, they're like really quite simple structurally, just like a verse and a chorus back and forth the whole time. You can tell that there was like maybe a jammy process in writing these songs, you know, where it's just kind of like the band is, you know, just like jamming on this part and then back and forth while she kind of like plays with the lyrics in her head or something. But these last three are shorter, like, and more twisted and all over the place like particularly for her yeah. like goes off in so it's like several songs like a suite of small songs and i feel like those changes just happen like they just like turn on a dime and i feel like the the transitions just work perfectly even though they're like absolutely shocking um and they're really really like extra playful and creative the last song is like to me the perfect example of why i don't care as much for the middle couple songs I mentioned earlier because the last song on I go it's like a deliberate chant it's like extremely chanty it's almost got like a maniacal quality like like stewing anger or something just repeating this mantra or something like while these like drums are just so militaristic or something um and it's like I don't know it's like a more like intentional chanty kind of song compared to like newspaper which is like five and a half minutes of very little melody and just screaming over a blues riff um it it just feels like it was supposed to be a song that kind of like fails in the melody department whereas on i go was supposed to be like a crazy maniacal chant and therefore it like nails it it's also much tighter and more focused um do either you guys like feel like I do about those last three songs be like really being like a cool kind of sweet there even though I, like I said I maybe they should have been like scattered throughout the album in, in its current like configuration I I do like them I I think the, the the weakest part of the record is that uh that 
that section um, between like cosmonauts and um, I guess, you know, rack of his. And so, you know, I, I, these three like kind of bring it back to the, the, the glory of the, the beginning uh, section of, of yeah, the record. Yeah. So I think that, uh, you know, in, in its current configuration, I, I do really like that as a suite, but I think, you know, the, I think the sequencing could have been better all around and I would spread those out, you know, if it, if it was up to me. Yeah. All right. Well, so any like other, you know, I want to move on to all the reception stuff, but I, I guess I'm having a hard time figuring out, like, d- did you guys like this album? Would you describe yourselves as liking it? Yeah, I, 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 I'm like pleasantly surprised, you know, I, um, like I said, I, I, I have somewhat familiarity with her just cause my wife listens to it, but it's, it's never something I'm like excited for, for her to play. You know, it, it's something I don't, I don't mind. But I, I've never been excited for. It. But this record, I I like it. You know, like I I thought I was gonna have to you know sort of force myself to listen to it, or I was gonna get forced to listen to it a bunch. Um, but I, I didn't I didn't I didn't really feel like that. You know, like I I listened to it on my own, and you know I don't I don't know how how much I'll continue listening to it. Mostly just because this isn't the stuff I you know the kind of thing I, I I listen to. But I definitely like it. I definitely think it's like the the best. Um, uh, you know, like higher profile, like sort of release of the year, uh, you know, like not some, you know, weird right. experimental thing, you know, or something like I, I think it is one of the, the best, uh, you know, uh, popular music things to come out uh, in, in a while. Yeah. What about you, Darren? Yeah. I mean, I kind of had like a weird roller coaster with the way I felt about this record, you know, like right out, out of the gate, I just kind of didn't like it. Um, I, I found it hard to really, really get into, like I could appreciate it, but you know, I, I do think I was a bit tainted with the review and, you know, I, I, I listened to, uh, Anthony Fantano's review and everything. Um, but you know, on repeated listening, l- listenings, I just kind of like forgot about those reviews and just really tried to like, just give the record a chance, like just listen to it for what it is and not, not think about, is this a 10 or is this, you know, what is this really right. trying to say? Whatever. Um, and I, and I enjoyed it a lot more kind of listening to it that way. And, you know, I don't know if I'm necessarily anxious to want to listen to it some more, like following this. Um, but I do think it's more memorable than like, let's say title, you know what I mean? Like, I don't think I listened to title again Mm -hmm. since we did that on the, on the previous podcast, but I could totally see myself coming back to a couple of the tracks on, on this record for sure. Yeah. I mean, I think like, that's how I would sum it up is that it's like a very memorable album it's got like a very striking aesthetic and like we said like i don't think it's like the most brand new thing ever but it's bringing back sort of sounds and influences that i think are really cool and like she does a lot of really cool stuff with them and i think opens like a door for more people to do more stuff like her which is which is great um you know i i part of the reason i was so annoyed by the pitchfork score which you're going to turn to now is like you know, I'm listening and I'm like, well, this is really good. You know, this is like, this is like at least an eight, you know, on my first couple of listens for me. Um, but can I get to a 10, you know, and it just annoys me so much. That I had to like, think about that the whole time. Um, but for me, yeah, it just kept like, you know, sometimes like things would get stuck in my head so often. It was like sometimes annoying, like we were talking about earlier, but sometimes in a good way, you know, like I'm just singing, you know, that like, you know, spread like strawberries part or whatever. Um, 
you know, look at that wreck of his. I don't know. It's just like stuck <laughs> in my head all the time. It's like a very memorable, like very, very, very well done in that way. And you know how like, are you guys, just as a side note, like, well, I don't know if you have pets, Darren, but it's like, I feel like the coronavirus, I've always done this, but now I do it constantly where I like, whatever song is stuck in my head, I like make the lyrics about my cat. Do you do this? <laughs> I do not. I have. You never do this? I have uh, two cats and a dog and no, I, I never sing to them. Yeah, you know, it's just like... <laughs> Look at that bed of his sleep. You know, it's just like stuck. I don't know, it's like your songs are stuck, stuck in my head constantly, and I'm so bored. I'm like walking around, just singing them, repeating them, yeah. changing the, the lyrics to be about my to cat. You. Yeah, I think, yeah, you, I maybe, think you, you've been maybe. stuck inside too long. Get to fetch the bolt cutters. Yeah, right. Yeah. yeah, seriously. Yeah, yeah. Fetch the nail clippers because my cat's <laughs> nails are too long. I mean, anyway, I just think like the way that this album like digs itself into your brain and refuses to leave. I think is definitely a virtue now let's turn to the reception stuff um let's start here what what does a perfect 10 like a 10 out of 10 mean to you personally i feel like people have different definitions of this yeah i i think they do but to me you know i think when something is a 10 like that that signifies perfection can perfection actually exist like in the real world you know that's debatable whatever but i i think a 10 uh, it's especially hard when it's when it's a brand new record because I, I think one of the big things uh, that goes in a ten is like its impact and of course you don't know what this record's impact is you know right, we're, right. we we keep speculating you know will it bring you know you know home recording kind of thing like will that come back but we don't know yet um, you know it's easier to say like you know Abbey Road's a ten because look what look what it did you know um, okay. but I think it's just like a record I I think sometimes. And it's hard to describe because it's it's a feeling um, more that you know than anything like logical. But like sometimes I listen to a record and just even before the, the record's done, I'm just like, this is great, and this is something I'm gonna like probably listen to for many years, if not the rest of my life. You know, kind of thing. Like like I I, I said um, in our end of the uh, year uh, wrap up la- last year um, on the podcast, like like Nick Cave's Ghost Teen. Like that was a record to me that I I thought was a 10 i still think it's a 10 it's just like i before i even finished that record it just was like this is this is like something i've I've wanted to hear you know it's something i've never heard before that i wanted to hear and i didn't know i wanted to hear it um you know another kind of 10 you know like my beautiful dark twisted fantasy i i of course agreed with that when it came out and it was just like you know i had heard rap albums i i wasn't super into rap at the time I mean, like Darren said, I wasn't even like a huge Kanye fan. You know, I, I sort of liked him more for his antics at the, t- you know, I I thought it was funny, you know, the Taylor Swift right. thing, the Bush thing, you know, and I liked some songs. I, I liked College Dropout a little bit and stuff, you know, but I wasn't like a huge fan, but like hearing that record, uh, you know, it just like made me, you know, like, like you said, like sucked into his orbit. And then it even made me like really get into just rap as a genre, um, you know, I, and so, like a t- a ten has to just like completely. I don't know if I'm, you know, if I'm just rambling, but yeah, yeah, exactly. It's just kind of sort of like it's like a feeling. You know it when 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 it happens to you, and yeah, it just like it's sort of like I, it sounds cheesy to say like changes you because I don't really mean like that, but it's just yeah, like yeah. it changes something about like the way you 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 perceive music or a genre or you know like a scene as a whole or something. You know, it's just like this becomes like an important thing in your world of music well this i i think you raised a couple really interesting points i want to get to but first darren i mean just off the top of your head like what is a 10 to you 
I mean, I, I think a 10 is a very, it's a very personal, you know, um, thing. You know, I, I think that a, a record for me that I consider a 10 has some sort of profound impact on me, right? Whether that is like influencing me to want to make new music or something like that, or it just gets so ingrained into your life in some way, you know, um, the Kanye, uh, you know, we'll start with Kanye, uh, my beautiful dark twisted fantasy. Like I mentioned, not a huge fan, but the build up, the hype, I was just so, I was like, I was just, um, absorbing everything I could and and Kanye was there to provide that content, right? He was all over Twitter. He was doing interviews. He was talking about his own influences. He dropped like Tom York as an influence. I'm just like, Whoa, okay. What, you know, this guy's talking about <laughs> Tom York. That's crazy. And you know, the songs were great, like watching how they were organically like changing, like, you know, from week mm-hmm. to week and like getting to know so much about the recording process too, like the number of hours, like just feeling like he was just working so hard and being so meticulous about everything about the album, um, the decisions, the track sequences, you know, the, the decision to like include monster on the record that was never intended for the record at first. You know what I mean? Like just getting to be so clued into all of that, which you just don't get that experience all the time with records had a profound effect on me. And then when the album actually came out, it was just like all of that hype. It exceeded all of that. You know what I mean? And for that entire year and far beyond that, like that was just a record. I just would constantly play and repeat. It was just such a huge part of my life you know just it just give you it Mm -hmm. just gave me so much excitement for some reason you know um i think about like radiohead's records right like those have such like profound effects so so that's that's me personally but then when like you you know is it possible for like a 10 to be there you know from pitchfork for instance but then for me not to think of it as a 10 like absolutely right but can i well here's i mean here's my thing right it's like I think you guys are being too like these are too high. Uh, these these uh, expectations here. Like, I mean, I guess my question is like, don't you think that there's been more than two tens in the last ten years? Oh yeah, definitely. But there's been a shit ton of tens. Yeah, in yeah, the yeah. Last ten years. No, like, in yeah, my definitely. opinion, there's like a couple tens every year. Sometimes there's a bunch of tens. Like I was just clicking on like random years on Rate Your Music to kind of test this theory. And I'm like, you know, I go to like 1995 or something. It's like Radio had the Benz, yeah. Uh, Jizz's Liquid Swords, yeah. Bjork's Post, yeah. Mob Deep's The Infamous, yeah. You guys won't agree with the Smashing Pumpkins, Melancholy, and the Infinite Sadness, but yeah. <laughs> Raekwon, only built for Cuban links, yeah. Yeah, you know, it's like Elliot Smith self-titled, pretty close. Autekers Try Repite, definitely. Wowie Zowie by Pavement, yes. Gotta Buy Voices, Alien Lanes, probably pretty close. Oasis, you know, like you're saying, all of like, those are tens. All those are tens. I, I think like. To me, a 10 is I mean, like, I, it doesn't have to completely rock my world. It doesn't have to be something that's like, like I think you, you I think you, Darren, where it's like you, I followed it for like, I followed the process for like months and I like, can't believe, you know, there's the cultural, like is going, but I think crazy. you're misunderstanding you know, a little bit. Cause like what I said is like, it's when it's a brand new thing. Like it, like then I agree with like what Darren's saying. You sort of need those feelings and, and everything. When when it's something like you know I didn't hear uh, Liquid Swords when it came out. I heard Liquid Swords you know fifteen years later and uh, it was already you know I I knew going into it it's a classic record and I mean 
I, I, you know, I love that record. I agree. It's a 10 out of 10. And I agree with most of those ones that you, you said, definitely not smashing pumpkins though. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but you know, like it, 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 when it's some, a brand new thing is what it's hard because well, one, like sometimes you, sometimes a new record comes out, you listen to it and you get caught up in the excitement of it. And you think like, man, this record fucking amazing. And then you know, six months, a year, two years goes by, and eh, you know, I, okay. Well, a, well, a good example another, of that. Like, hold, hold on, hold on. Like, I have to take issue with one thing because this is something I used to have a problem with Dan on. Is is like you you said that Radiohead's The Bends is a ten, but do you think Kid A is a better record than The Bends? Yeah. Then how yeah. can they both be a ten? Now how that can is they both good be a 10? I, because what are you talking about? Then what? Then you have to pick like one ten. And then like I'm not, everything yeah, else true. is rated in a I'm not saying that. that. 10 is like the point where it crosses over into like the, you know, like into the, uh, into heaven or something. Into heaven it becomes canon. It's just like, yeah. yeah, it's just in there. And like, th- there are better ones and lesser ones. Sure. But like, these are like the Supremes. And no, I agree. Cause I, I, like, I've, I've like struggled with that same question, Darren, but like what, what Gabe said, because, because that's the thing, you know, like you can, all, there can only be one ten. to me. I think blonde on blonde is the best record ever made. So any other record I don't think is as good as that record, but you're right. Like I, I do. I think kid A's yeah, a 10. That, that's, I do. That's crazy. You, you can't, know, you can't have a system like yeah. that. <laughs> if it's not as good as the best album ever, it can't that's, also be a 10. Well, yeah, but that's um, not what I'm saying, but, but the, you know, the, the other thing I want to take issue with is when Dan said that, you know, he thinks of it as perfection. To me, it doesn't have to be perfection at all. And like, I feel like you're almost contradicting yourself a little bit because you said like, it's kind of like rocking your world. And I feel like there are a bunch of imperfect albums that totally have rocked my world in the way you described. There, there's like, no album I would call a 10 out of 10 that I would like skip a track on. That's what I mean. I don't mean like there's not like a I, single I second I think I, I think change. that's possible. Uh, I, think that's uh, possible. I argue like okay, let me, man, let me I argue with my wife about like, this all the time because she skips tracks on well, I beautiful don't dark skip songs. I don't <laughs> and, I don't skip songs, but listen, like is is you know, is so appalled a great song? Not really. It's like a good song. Does it go on too long? Yeah. Does it have too many guest rappers? Yeah. Let me say, though, like it. it contributes to the maximalism of the album. The album is like 110% Kanye. It's like always too much, you know? Like, it, it, it adds that. Is the whole outro of Blame Game perfect? No, I don't think so. But, I, but none of those... Mo- I wouldn't get album. rid of any is, of that. Is, is, is Tree Fingers a great song? <laughs> Fuck no, it's not a great song, okay? But is it fitting to be on Kid A where it's like wading through an impenetrable like mess of electronic process sound yeah it totally is i could totally deal with that you know i was listening to like doolittle last week and it's like is silver the one song that like kim deal wrote good at all no i think you're again misunderstanding me i don't mean perfection in the sense that like you can have a couple total duds i don't think it can still be a 10 i i think like as a whole like as a i i i don't and I have talked about this a lot. I don't. I never just listen to a tracks of a song. Like I listen to an album, or I I don't listen to it. And you know, like yeah, I I agree. You know, Tree Fingers isn't, isn't the greatest song. I never would just put Tree Fingers on on its own. But like as a piece of art, like there's nothing that I think like there's nothing on Kid A where I'm like, man, I wish Tree Fingers wasn't on there. You know, it's not like I don't like sit through it and I'm like, I'm really not enjoying this. I, I wish it wasn't here. You know, I don't think I like So Appalled. I, I the Blame Game outro I think is is funny. You know, it's fine. Like. I, I'm never like, oh, I okay, wish this wasn't here. Doesn't it? That's what I doesn't mean. It seem like you can't use the word 
perfect. Like, what do you think about that, Darren? Like, it doesn't have to be perfect, right? No, no, no. Yeah, I agree. It doesn't have to be perfect. But, you know, I'm, I'm not the one who's saying that there is only one 10 out there, right? You know, I'm, I'm kind of just trying well, to say... I think say, you did. <laughs> well, no, no, no. I'm, I'm, you know, I was really taking issue with, like, the same band, right? So, like, Dan, I know with Bob Dylan, you're going to say pretty much every one of his records from the 60s is a perfect 10, right? Um you know, you're, you might say that about the Beatles. You might say that about Radiohead. But I, I just don't think that that's totally fair. Does Radiohead have more than one ten? Sure, sure. I would argue in Rainbow's OK Computer, Kid A, three tens right there. But that's it. Like I, the re- the other records are really good, nine point fives, maybe nine point six. But they they don't they are lacking something in within Radiohead, right? But then you know when you talk about other bands and other albums that are totally different. You know, it's it's different. It's, I'm not saying that you can only have one ten, but there's something special about those tens that they bring out whatever feeling it is. And now going back to your argument about the duds, I totally agree. There's hardly a record out there that is just like, you know, has ten out of ten for every single track, right? That just, right. I don't even know if that really exists. To be perfectly honest, yeah, it's well, blonde, the other thing, blonde. That... <laughs> <laughs> there are a couple. There are a couple, but I mean. Uh, the other thing that um, that Dan mentioned, I think, is like the importance of time. I think this is like a worthy discussion to have um, in lieu of Pitchfork's rating here. You know, like, do you think it's even fair, or even right to give something a 10 on initial release? Like, do you guys are you guys believers that like you need the reflect reflection time? I mean, it's it's stupid to say it's like, you know, did you ever have a teacher or something that's like, I, I won't give an A because then you got nothing to strive for or something like that's <laughs> right. the dumbest shit ever. Um, you know, I, personally, you know, I mean, like I said, I listened to Ghost Teen and after a couple of days, I was like, that's a goddamn 10 uh, swans to be kind that's a goddamn 10, you know, like, and I knew that very, very quickly. And, you know, I mean, there's some distance between to be kind now, and I still feel that way. But I mean, yeah, I, I mean, I've reflect reflexively like had that feeling before. Like one thing, uh, like death grips, I, I still like them. I was real into them. Like when, when that was going on, um, my wife and I, we tried to listen to, uh, uh, no love the other day. It doesn't hold up. You know, at, at, when that record came out, I probably said it was a 10. Now, uh, you know, it, it's like a eight or so, and and you know that's probably the like appropriate place for it. So I think like definitely time like helps. Uh, I mean, as, especially when you when you're looking back, you know, the Beatles, Bob Dylan, you know, those things are easy because one, when you look at like what are records from the '60s, those are the first ones you're gonna get because those are the ones everybody talks about. You know, so like you you just right. you're gonna find those. Um, you know. I, but you but you're a coward if you say uh, i'll never give something to 10 i I think you just have to be able to say what do you think about like all music's approach which i've always liked is like they'll only give a four and a half stars out of five on initial release and then every couple years they go back i think upgrade what they think are fives i think there's there's portions of that that are okay i think it's okay to go back and and give things a five and i think it's fine to go back and change things i i rate like everything i've ever listened to i always rate it on rate your music because i think it's fun i frequently when i'm bored uh will go through my ratings and change some of them you know like I, i'll go but because I, I probably at one time had no love as a as a five you know and i'll change and say ah you know that's not anymore i don't feel that way or you know sometimes i bump them up higher um and i think that's fine but i think it's, it's cowardice to say no matter what you know when you when you heard to, uh, my beautiful dark twisted fantasy the first time if you were sure that that was a 10 
then give it give it a damn 10 you know like i i, I think you, you can't you don't be flippant with it don't be giving tens you know once a month you know once once every six months even you know like i mean maybe even once a I year for a Gabe, publication Gabe like the is too much he's handing them out like candy i think i so agree with the ones like he, he gave tens, but it, like, it, a publication wouldn't do that when an album like enters the canon like you said um like in a in a really substantial way i think that that is like deserving of a 10 sometimes like you know pretty we're talking like 9.5s 9.6s whatever but like a lot of those like really canonical records unforgettable records are 10s and so what i mean by that is like they they add something like very new and vital to the world like that's worthy of a 10 and i'm like willing i'm willing to give out like multiples a year however i do kind of feel like i have to often like i at least have to wait till like a couple months and i'm like this is really sticking with me like in a really substantial way um you know i really would hesitate to give a 10 to something like that i that i've just listened to but um but what what, what do you make about about that like do you need some distance darren personally i mean i i don't think i need more than like what you mentioned like a couple of months and and being able to look back and think okay yeah this is still with me you know i i think uh even when my beautiful dark twisted fantasy came out like i probably was like hyped to think that this could be could be a 10 but i even in the first couple of weeks of listening i wasn't like yeah this is a 10 and i'm i'm done like i I know it's a 10 you know what i mean like i I think yeah yeah. part of that experience (laughs) is like whoa i keep coming back to it coming back to it and discovering things that's like it's becoming a 10 at that point you know what i mean um but the idea of like 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 nick cave's ghost teen which you mentioned dan it's like I, I, I like went through my initial phase, like I always do, of like listening to it a ton when it came out. And then it was like later when we were doing our end of the year list, I'm like revisiting all these albums and I'm like putting it on. I'm like, damn, this like still hits me like maybe even harder than it was in that first phase. That's how I know that it's a 10. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, so that's, you know, kind of <laughs> return. We, we took like a hard veer off, <laughs> off the course a little bit, but let's return to Fiona Apple here. Um, I guess the simplest question is like, is it a 10 to you or what score would you give it? I don't think it's a 10. Uh, you know, like, like I said, there, there's definitely some issues with it. The sequencing I think is the biggest one. I think it goes on a, a little too long. I'd get rid of a song or two. Uh, you know, it, it, it's, it's, it's not, it's not a record where I heard it and I, I you know, I, I dropped dead and, and just uh, loved it. I, I think it's good. I think it's, you know, one of the best, like, um, popular releases of, of this year and probably will will remain that. Um, I think it definitely deserves, like, a best new music. Um, I, I'm, I'm glad it at least got that because, you know, Fiona Apple, not something on my radar. I, I probably wouldn't, like, give it much, uh, you know, thought uh, on my own. Um if it wasn't for like this, this outrageous score, um, I, I, I'd probably give it like a, like an 8.3, 8.4 BNM. Yeah. I don't think that this is a 10. Um, I mean, it's not for me personally, you know, and I also try to listen to these. I try to listen to this record thinking like, is there something here that I can at least acknowledge, you know, like what, what like what I normally do when we talk about some of the blunders, we talk about joy division or whatever, like I can, it's not a 10 and none of those, neither of those records are a 10 for me, but I can acknowledge, like I get it. You know what I mean? Yeah. You Um, get why they are to me. Right. Right. Like, like there's just something about it that you can just kind of Mm -hmm. acknowledge. Maybe it's, maybe it's the historical aspect of it. Maybe that's what it is, but 
you know, I didn't really feel like I, I got that from this record. I didn't think there was anything that really stood out that I'm like, oh, I could get, I get why people would, would want to consider this a 10. Um, I'd go a little bit higher though. You know, I, I'd probably say maybe in the range of like an 8.7, 8.8, definitely, a, you know, B&M, uh, definitely something, something that is worth listening to. And, you know, with sure with potential that like, if this ends up having like major influence, like it'll be a record that we'll keep on talking about, you know, throughout this new decade, you know? Yeah. I mean, I guess for me, I'm at, I'm at something like a 9.0. I mean, I think it's like definitely in that BNM territory, but like highlight of the year, kind of a territory, like, you know, give it that like over a nine to market as such, like everybody check this out for sure. Um, you know, by, you know, I have lower standards than you guys apparently. So, (laughs) you know, I could like see it becoming a 10, like to me one day. Um, you know, it, it kind of like what you were saying, Darren, where it's like, if, if we continue to talk about this, if, uh, it ends up being like a big influence, it's like something, you know, that's on your mind often. Um, you know, I could see myself one day giving it that kind of like, yeah, that's a, that, that's in the canon kind of a thing because it's very striking to me. It's like very, very, um, just very, very memorable to me. And like very imperfect but like i said that's not like a disqualifier for me personally um very imperfect because there's like that stretch of songs that kind of drag the whole thing down pacing problems like kind of throughout um a couple lyrics that are a little bit like i said that just aren't like rubbing me quite the right way um but then some that really really are but it's like as a whole it's just like a really really interesting like remarkable thing um so i could kind of see it getting there now i do want to talk about like why you know since none of us are really at a 10, I mean, why do you think Pitchfork gave it a 10? We can be, we can be cynical here. I think, um, you know, I mentioned earlier a business decision to kind of like attach it to their brand and stuff, but what are you guys thinking trying to make sense of that score? Yeah. I mean, I, I hate to be so cynical, but I I think that's definitely a big thing of it. I mean, it's no, uh, it's no surprise or, or anything to anybody that like Pitchfork's, um, uh influences waned over the years you know i mean we, we've talked about it i mean our first episode is, is essentially completely right. on that topic and you know our old podcast was like really based on pitchfork and the reason we kind of stopped it amongst other things was that like pitchfork just kind of stopped being like we really had bad timing like they just sort of stopped being yeah. influential we we stopped like feeling like the bnms like really were like the things you got to stop and listen to and and I feel like they 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 they've got to do something to 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 kind of get back in that that cultural you know like to to, right. to be the, the the thing that everyone's talking about you know like at the proverbial water cooler you know did you hear Pitchfork gave it a ten you know and it and it worked you know I I as soon as I saw it I texted you guys you know because it was it was it was shocking you haven't seen a ten in ten in ten years and then you know you hop on Reddit you know indie heads is going crazy you know and it's fun you kind of get back it, it like gave me uh, a day of like the old pitchfork you know like when when a pitchfork score meant something when when it when it sparked a huge conversation now you know they they give something a bad score people are just like oh yeah pitchfork sucks and then you know that's sort of the end of discussion or even when they give something a good score it's just like yeah okay you know it doesn't become like remember it used like on mew 
at 1 a.m. for us, uh, like that's when the Pitchfork scores go up. And it, there was threads like trying to guess what albums they would even review. I, I don't really go on Mew anymore, but I, I sort of doubt that that happens or at least happens to the, the uh, you know extent that it used to. I, I think they, you know, you, 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 they find a record like this that's like clearly good. This is clearly a good record. It's, it's, a, it's a great record. It's going to get every publication is going to give it good scores so it's it's a safe bet and then you know i'm sure like i don't know who who gave it what but you know like rolling stone i'm sure is sort of handing out the tens and, and stuff right, oh actually right. i just looked they they gave it a four and a half uh but you know like yeah. like some of these places okay the independent gave it a five i'm not I, I don't read the independent but i'm sure they hand them out you know that's not their first one in 10 years uh, right, right. So it, it's not like it's it, it's not like th- they're going to be a huge blunder. Like, oh, this album's garbage. Nobody likes it. it it's safe, you know. Like you said, like now people are going to talk about it because Pitchfork's still at that point where they do have enough relevancy to get attached to it. You know, if, if this was maybe in two more years, five more years, and they hadn't given a ten, would anybody really care if it was the first ten in, you know, 15 years? Like, maybe we'd already have kind of moved on for Pitchfork. Like, like, yeah. do, like if, if Rolling Stone gives something a ten right now, do you stop and listen to it? Do you, do you care at no, all? No. You know? No. Nobody does. And I think Pitchfork is scared of, of going the way of Rolling Stone, which is, I think, where they're heading. Yeah, what do you think? How do you explain it, Darren? Yeah, I mean, my cynical take here is, you know, they're at the outset of 2020, you know, there's probably some sort of meeting, and they're like, guys, we've got to find the next big album for this next decade. You know, we've got to, we've got to repeat what we did with My Beautiful Dark Twisted Fantasy at the beginning of 2010, you know. Um, right. And of course, that was, you know, that was just a gift from Kanye to, to have to have gotten that record in that year um, mm-hmm. and for them to identify it as a 10. I mean, they just were definitely fortunate for that. You know, I I don't know if that's really true or not, but I, I definitely do think that Pitchfork wants to try to catch something like the next big trend, you know, and try to be as early as possible, you know, and if right. we enter into the next 10 years of records that are like you know home recording sounding all of this stuff or whatever you know they'll be able to point at look look at where we were at you know right at the Mm -hmm. the beginning right you know we we called it you know and i i do think that you know i I guess publications that want to be influential that's kind of what they need to do that's part of influencing right yeah yeah i mean i guess i i really think that they've probably been sitting on it for a while like you know thinking like because I do think that their their kind of influence is, is waning and, you know, they're they're just probably noticing that they're like losing their kind of center place in the culture and everything and that they've been like kind of sit on this. Like we we can drop this when times get tight or whatever. Um, and, you know, at the same time, I think that, you know, this new like chief editor has taken over uh, just like one, two years ago um, from the founder and you know, she's from like spin.com or something like that. And it's very clear that she's like, she wants to bump the scores up to, you know, kind of trade in on Pitchfork's like remaining credentials and kind of get people talking. So like last year it was just like kind of nuts. Like you saw like Lana Del Rey and FK Twigs and both Big Thief albums, like getting over Mm -hmm. like a 9.5 and stuff, which they hadn't given out in years and years and years. Um, 
and just like trying to make a, a water cooler moment, like you said, Dan. And so I think that, I don't know, it just, it, it reeks of desperation a little bit to kind of like drop this and also to kind of like swoop in as fast as possible to like beat everybody else to the punch. But you're right. I do think it's a little bit safer because she's like so established. She's, everybody loves Fiona Apple. Like nobody really, nobody hates her at least, yeah. you know? And it's like, I felt like Kanye was a little bit more daring um, at the time. It was like, you know, because like I said, the indie kids, like they weren't onto this kind of thing. And it was like really shifting the culture, like very deliberately, like we're going in a, you know, we're, we're going to embrace this world now that, that a lot of people haven't been a part of and everybody needs to like stand up and listen. This is just, I don't know. It just feels a little bit like, and honestly, I, I felt weird because I feel like I was in some weird alternate universe. Um, Cause like I was watching the score on radio music and I was looking at Twitter and stuff and I guess it's inevitably like this, but it was like the morning after this album had come out, you know, like the average on radio music was like almost a five. Yeah. It was like a 4.8. Mm-hmm. I was watching like it too. So first off, I, I mean, that, it should be illegal to give something a five star rating, like within, within a couple a, hours. Yeah, yeah exactly. Out. You've listened to it one time. For fuck's yeah. Sake. <laughs> yeah. And, but also I just felt it was so weird because I was like, when, when Kanye got a 10, like, yeah, it was kind of like this culture changing moment and stuff, but it was controversial and it actually remains controversial. You know, mm-hmm. like there are a lot of haters of that album, Fantano being one, um, but just a lot of people who hate Kanye can't stand him, never could, you know, it, it was like a big conversation starter. This was just like, I love it. I love it. I love it. I love it. I, you know, it looked like a, it felt like a, like fucking like a K-pop Twitter, you know, the way that they comment <laughs> on their like armies comment on things like and I was just like, well, this isn't going to work because you need to tend something with like a little controversy around it. You know, it needs to be a little divisive. It needs to like actually like get people riled up. And this is just like, yeah, everybody loves, you know, so who cares? But there has been a little bit of a backlash that I guess we don't need to go like way into. But it's like, you know, the score has just been like slowly dropping and dropping on radio music. And a lot of accusations, not just to these kind of like fans, but also to people like Anthony Fantano for just giving it a light seven. He didn't even like pan it or anything. He just thought it was like, okay, um, of like sexism, you know, that like they're mad about it because it's, you know, I mean, what what do you think about the, did you, do you guys sense that there's a little bit of a backlash to the 10? Do you think it's just to the hype or do you think there is like a sexist element? Like what's going on there? I mean, you know, like Fantano's, I, I listened to his, his review. I mean, I, I didn't see any sort of like sexism in it you know it was like a, it was a it was like a none whatsoever. it was a decent review and and again from him a light seven's not not bad you know he didn't say he hated the record he thought it was garbage you know he said it was pretty good i i think like he sort of uh like i agree with a lot of what he said i think he, he kind of said a lot of the same things we said you know like it, it's got some it's got a few issues but overall it's a good record and and people you know just like kind of took that uh wrong I, I mean i'm sure some people on rate your music you know i mean the internet is is basically a horrible place i'm i yeah. guarantee some of that is is motivated by sexism or you know whatever other sort of nasty thing uh that that they are but i think you know overall the like average isn't that you know like and and maybe i'm wrong but i i think i think like i i, I on here i gave it i gave it a four um you know on rate your music i I, that's just because that's how i thought it was i thought it was a pretty good record you know that's the score i I think that's how most people you know looked at it or 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 that's why they gave it a score they gave it you know 
Yeah, what do you make of the? How do you explain the backlash, Darren? Yeah, I mean, I think it's got to be in response to you know something like this getting a ten, you know, and just like Dan said, I mean, there's a lot of toxicity on the internet. Um, you know, it being a female artist, I'm sure just doesn't help, and there's just going to be you know review bombers coming out and you know just trying to make things difficult and make it really make it very difficult for people like us to just try to get a real pulse on what is it that people are really thinking um of the record right um fantano's you know review i thought was fine you know some of the issues that he pointed out seemed to be like he seemed to suggest that like she was just being lazy about certain things or like not you know certain songs he felt like you know didn't feel like they had been thought out completely yeah. you know um yeah. and those are some of the things that i felt like we found charming so yeah i i i was gonna say like i i understood why what he was saying but i felt like honestly just the opposite to him like in almost every every point um but but yeah go on yeah so it, you know and i didn't detect any any sort of sexism whatsoever <laughs> from from that review um but you know it, it's it's too bad but I, I do think that this will you know i think probably in a couple of months maybe in a year or two we'll really kind of get a good feel on like where everyone has landed on on this record what do you think abe yeah the dust has settled a little bit um you know i, I do think that there's probably some like sexism misogyny and stuff on Ray your music um but in the in defense of the misogynists, um, <laughs> the uh, <laughs> don't add you know my, I, I, me yeah, or Dan. Gabe, yeah. <laughs> no, okay. I'm, Gabe's I'm personal bit, email let, is. <laughs> but let me let you know. I'm mostly kidding. But let me just add that, like, you know, Pitchfork has been really pushing like a you know what they call themselves like a feminization of the canon, right? And they you know, have been patting themselves on the back for doing it in like what is an incredibly annoying way. You know, like every year they inflate the scores of a lot of female artists. They congratulate themselves at the end of the year for like how women took over and how they helped women take over and stuff. And, you know, this was part of the reason kind of why we stopped doing the the um the previous podcast is that, you know, there was just like a bunch of stuff getting BNM for kind of like social cause reasons and not really for the value of the music and it's just like you just had to like listen to a lot of mediocre stuff um and you know and i i like last year i thought it was really <laughs> I, I don't know i just thought it was so annoying like the fk twigs album was boring as hell mm-hmm. and just like everybody's forgotten about it already lana del rey album was i thought really good the big thief album's also boring as hell you know like just getting these like absolutely incredibly high scores and like topping all the charts and stuff and so I think that there is a certain amount of like understandable skepticism when Pitchfork drops a 10 or a really, really high score on like another, yet another female artist. And the entire review is about the Me Too era and feminizing the canon. And, you know, they're just like very upfront about it. Um, you know, so I think that there is like sort of a backlash to that aspect that I I get. And I the reason I bring it up is I think it's like a shame because this is this is like the one time, trust me, that it's a really actually very good album, like worth your time. Um I get that you've been burned before. I felt the same way when I saw the 10. I was like, here we go. Uh another like kind of overrated thing. But it's actually very, very good. So it's like I mean, 
can you guys agree with me and the other misogynists at all with this? Like <laughs> that it is a shame that they've like lost credibility on female artists because a lot of people do irrationally hate Fiona Apple when they shouldn't. I mean, I think like definitely like you said, like there there were some albums that and that got high scores like solely because of like the social uh, you know, issues and stuff. Uh what was that damn thing I hated? Uh like gl- uh glam glow or something uh gloss 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 Gloss. you know things like that like it it just wasn't a good record um and you know you should be reviewing records like if you're reviewing records like review it because the like the music sounds good not because like the message of it was good you know like do i agree with a lot of the stuff that's on that record like yeah was it a piece of shit definitely um you know (laughs) like but but yeah here like don't don't fall for you know don't don't get like tricked into it because i you know i i i thought the same thing i thought oh you know this will just be a boring record that i that you know isn't going to deserve a 10 and i don't think it necessarily deserves a 10 but i don't think it's not like a uh you know it it, it's not like a huge shock you know i mean like i said it's sort of a safe thing to pick as their new 10 because it's a good record it's a great record you know it's it's something that i think like everyone should listen to um which we've discussed is that's what we believe the best the bnm best new music like should mean and i think you know like this is a hundred percent deserving of that uh you know it, one of the most deserving of it for this year so far uh you know so don't so don't get wrapped up in that don't don't fall for it you know don't 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 miss out on something so good like because you're afraid of that or or whatever you know like looking at the rate you music score you know there's there's tons of people who are you know just giving it like a half star or one star like the, the, right. don't listen to those those people are being dickheads or either trying to be contrarian <laughs> right. or they are being misogynistic or whatever you know just being a, a toxic dickhead on on the internet you don't believe that but also maybe don't believe the people who are, are saying it's the best thing since sliced bread you know the, right. the, the answer lies you know somewhere in the middle um it, you know it, it's a great record don't, don't 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 miss out on it like because of of that yeah what do you think darren yeah i mean i think i've pretty much been on the record in support of a lot of female artists you know i just kind of always have been a, a big fan of female led music right um it's it is a shame that you know pitchfork kind of went down the the trail of overhyping things that really didn't deserve it or trying to use like social issues to add hype to records and stuff um i just think there could have been other ways of trying to you know if the goal was to just create more recognition for female artists female bands whatever i think there are other ways that you can go about doing that instead of just you know overinflating scores trying to draw attention you know or writing reviews that don't really address the music very well um you know i i think there are different things that could be done to to improve that if if they felt if they truly felt like that was you know a huge problem um there's different ways of, of doing it so it's a shame that that is not like sort of impacting this record now you know what i mean especially one that is just like good and i mean there's plenty there's been plenty of good records from female artists you know what i mean um but now we're in the in now in this world where pitchfork is at it's just too bad that um 
you know, you, you can't necessarily trust the review that you're going to see on Pitchfork, but that shouldn't, um, you know, that shouldn't turn somebody off from at least giving something a try, right? Like you shouldn't, we should not have, you know, it's, it would have been wrong for us to like, look at this, see the 10 and just say, now we're not even going to touch it because we don't trust Pitchfork. You know what I mean? It would have been wrong to do that. Like we, that record, the record deserves an opportunity. And I think we gave it a fair opportunity and we all seem to like it, you know? So yeah, I mean, I, I think that it's kind of like, you know, they, they went down this road. They shot themselves in the foot, quite frankly, because it was like they went down this road of, you know, trying to find importance of a record in its social causes. And it's just like a dead end, you know, because we, we talked about like, if you want to give like something a high score, you're kind of declaring it like the next great thing. You know, it's hard to predict that. It's really hard to like sense it in the moment because you don't know what its influence is going to be musically and stuff like that. Um, but they're just like, oh, this is really like an important political statement. So therefore it's important. I mean, it's just kind of like lazy criticism. Um, and of course their entire Fiona Apple review is that. Um, right. On that note though, you know, the last Pitchfork 10, My Beautiful Dark Twisted Fantasy, it was really not politically motivated at all. It was really about trying to predict what would be the sound of the next decade. And they honestly just nailed it, like knocked it out of the park because I feel like, that was like the birth of poptimism. We've talked about it many times before, but that was just like when the indie world embraced people like Drake, you know, like would, mm-hmm. would, would the indie kids be listening to fucking Migos if it wasn't for that, that no, exactly. tan on my beautiful dark Twisted of fantasy. No, but what I want to ask is like, do you think this has any chance, uh, to do, to have the same kind of thing, the same kind of like tide shifting effect on music, this, New 10, Fiona Apple's Fetch the Bulk Cutters. I think maybe like we were talking about, you know, like maybe there there will be this return to sort of like home recording. And I think like, you know, with the whole coronavirus thing, that's like possible. But, you know, clearly she she wrote and made this record well before that. So it's like if that happened, like, does it deserve the credit? You know, like it's, it would be like almost an accidental, uh, you know, thing. Um, which I'm sure plenty, plenty of like great, you know, records that started thing, you know, were accidental like well, that, sure. you know, probably like the first punk bands played that way. Cause they didn't know how to play. Yeah, you know? no, that it was like, yeah. I mean, just so happened. That's that what the Stooges did. Yeah, you're right. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I, you know, I, I could see that, but I just don't see that being like as large of an impact because, cause you're right. Like with Pitchfork, like you can, you can basically like if you were making the timeline of pitchfork there's like the you know the 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 bc and the and the ad is you know before the beautiful dark right. fantasy review and, and after it you know that is when they become like much more like optimist and i mean sure did they rate some you know pop records before that like highly i'm i'm sure they did but like yeah. that was the one that like changed everything you know and i just don't see this record because this record is is something that like the the reader of pitchfork probably already liked or you know was already on their radar or or something like that you know it's not like i just don't see it like changing the the world of pitchfork yeah i mean i think that this has a chance you know um i i could totally see you know young artists or something checking out this record and thinking, oh, I can do that. You know, like this is, this sounds like stuff right, that I can right. pick up and do. And I mean, that's, you know, you hear people talk about that kind of stuff all, all the time when they start listing out influences. It's usually, it usually starts with like a sound or whatever that they feel like they can also do or want to, you know, replicate. And the great thing about 
this sort of sound is that you're kind of it's it's sort of just wide open like you can just kind of do a lot of different things with it you know you're not chasing after some you know incredible like synth sound or electronic sound that requires a whole bunch of different you know filters and alterations or anything like that it's yeah. it's not about like a specific sound it's it's kind of just like the uh the feel you know the you know the spirit of it right just picking things up you know not not necessarily you know being a little bit loose and kind of sloppy and at certain parts or whatever like that's it's a it's a it's a mood that you're after rather than like a specific sound you know what i mean yeah because like at the core it's just like a jazz pop kind of thing sure like i said elevated uh with this like kind of creativity in recording practices and stuff and you know, like I, I could see that being an influence on people. I think it would be like a really welcome one. You know, I, I like trashed Beyonce a little bit earlier, but it's like, imagine if Beyonce hears this record and then she's like, mm-hmm. I want to do something like that. You know what I mean? And then like, imagine if the next, you know, like, I don't know, whatever the next, like uh SoundCloud rapper or something gets interested in like live sound, acoustic sound or something, you know, like sparse, minimal, like drumming on walls and stuff. You know, it could, it, it could I could see like a little wave. Um, but yeah, I guess time will tell. Now we we uh, I just want to mention we had a we had a couple of listener emails this week. Um I think we've gone long enough um and we'll have to push those back till next time, but uh any closing thoughts on fetch the ball cutters guys? No, I think we covered it all and uh yeah, we'll have to get to those emails next time. So, what do you think? We'd love to read your thoughts on the air. Email us popshieldpod at gmail.com. Next episode, you know it. We're not sure. Uh, so I don't know why I say it. If you Maybe li- we'll get another 10. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Uh, if you like the show, you can help us out by subscribing. Leave us a five-star review uh, wherever you get your podcast. Stay connected to Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, all that junk, at popshieldpod. And we'll see you in two weeks. See ya. So long. Bye.